This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's uh, turn, if you would please, in your Bibles to Ruth and uh, chapter 2 as we... Get ready now and and ask God to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, the song says we come to the garden alone. And right now we say that we come to you to hear from you from the book of Ruth. Teach us, Lord. May we be, Lord, obedient sons, listening to our loving Father as he taught me also in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Eli Melech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her half was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto his reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, hath continued even from the morning, until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art a thirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn." Then she fell down on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? 
And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. She sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. So how appropriate this morning for on Mother's Day that we're studying about Ruth, the great mother in Israel. May you be like Ruth and like Esther, both the books we studied, by the way. <laughs> May you be deserving of praise. May you be in Israel a shining light. So, so that's our, our, our challenge here. When we look here at Ruth, and we see that, that what we found is that when she was hungry, she was to eat with the servants of Boaz at mealtime. When she was thirsty, she was to drink of the water the young man put out for her. And focusing on these words that Ruth heard from Boaz when he said, at mealtime, come thou hither and eat. And how much those words meant to Ruth. Before Ruth came to this place, when she heard those wonderful words, Ruth had a lot of problems. Ruth had a lot of troubles. Ruth had a lot to worry about. We have been going through a very difficult time here at the chapel. We have, death is a person. Death is a personality. And, and it's disturbing when death has visited us, taken our dear Ken, taken our dear Cindy. That's death. And that brings the opportunity to worry. And with these wonderful words that Ruth heard, it helps us because we can see that Ruth's problems were now over. And so we want to ask the simple question, before hearing these words, before, before speaking to Boaz, what did Ruth have to worry about? Did Ruth have, and, and when she did hear these words, did she have a face of worry? What Ruth has never expressed a word of worry. And when she talked to Naomi, Ruth expressed not a word of worry, but she expressed a word of confidence. And when she said in Ruth 2.2, that we just read, and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And when Ruth said that to Naomi, Naomi looked at her and she said, go, my daughter. There's no worry in Ruth's statement to Naomi. Ruth did not say that she wanted to go out and try and find food. Ruth spoke to Naomi with a confidence when she said that she was going to go out and, and she said, I'm going to find a landowner who's going to show grace to me. And she, she, she spoke with this confidence that she was going to come back with corn. She was going to glean ears of corn. And today we want to focus our attention on Ruth's confidence. Today, Ruth was confident that she was going to find food. She was going to return with food. 
And Naomi looked at Ruth's confidence, and Naomi admired that. When she saw that, she said, I couldn't have a more wonderful daughter than you, Ruth, my Moabitess daughter. Because Naomi wanted what Ruth had. And what did Ruth have? Ruth had a confidence that was free of worry. See, Ruth had addressed the problem of worry. Ruth had overcome the problem of worry. And we want to focus now on what the Bible has to say about gaining this confidence that Ruth had to be free of worry. Because according to the Bible, there is a secret for having this confidence that's free of worry. There's a way to overcome worry. You know, we stand in, in, you know, death now. Death also had attacked the writer of the hymn, It's Well With My Soul, Horatius Bassard. And what happened was that he said very, something very interesting in the first part of that hymn when he said, when peace like a river attends my soul, that's one case. When sorrows like sea billows roll, that's another case. When sorrows like sea billows roll, you know, and they just roll. And last week, a friend of mine and I, we went on a sailing boat, and we were just outside of Point Loma, and I told Barry, I said, Barry, don't, I said, because I had another experience with somebody else, and I know about seasickness, so <laughs> the unfortunate way. And, and so I said to him, Barry, whatever you do, when we go past the point here and get out in the ocean, there's going to be a lot of billows don't take your eyes off the front of the boat. Don't take your eyes off the water. Don't take your eyes off these billows because it all it takes is for you to, especially go down below, don't, especially don't do that. Just turn around, don't look at them, and all of a sudden when the billow comes, you're gone in seasickness, just like that. But if you can anticipate the billows before they get to you, you know, the waves, then you won't get seasick. Well, the problem is, is that when he was talking about when sorrows like sea billows roll, you can't anticipate them. It's like you're standing on the beach and you got your back to the water and you're saying, I feel real good where peace is attending my soul. And then all of a sudden something is said, some memory comes up, somebody says something, boom, a wave comes from behind and knocks you down. Where'd that come from? When sorrows like sea billows roll. And so this is what we're faced with and that sets up the opportunity for worry. Well, there's a passage in Scripture that gives us the secret of having the Ruth-like confidence that's free of worry. Worry is a problem. Worry is more of a problem than the problem we're worrying about, you know? And it's so much a problem that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke and he dressed head-on the problem of worry. And he did this, you might want to turn to this, in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, is where he spoke about the problem of worry. And he said this in Matthew 6, 25, very familiar, Sermon on the Mount, got all the people together, addressing various points about not relying on tradition and not thinking that you're self-righteous, you know, looking at your heart and so forth. And now he heads right into this problem of worry when he says in Matthew 6, 25, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, 
by taking thought can add one cubit unto a stature. And why take ye thought for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient for the day. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. See, in this verse, as I read this there, did you notice this one phrase that the Lord Jesus repeats three times in verse 25? Take no thought. In verse 27, which of you by taking thought? Verse 28, why take ye thought? Verse 31, therefore take no thought. Verse 34, take therefore no thought. See, five times, five times here, the Lord Jesus is saying, we are to take no thought. And the question is, well, what does it mean to take no thought? It doesn't mean to not think about what to do with problems. I mean, clearly, Ruth, she, she thought about the problem of no food because she, she gave it some thought and, and she came up with this plan that she was gonna go out and, and find a, a field of a gracious landowner and that person was going to allow her to collect fallen ears of corn. That's a plan that Ruth had. She devised that plan because she thought about what the best thing to do was. So take no thought does not mean to not think about the solutions to problems and to devise a strategy. So if we take no thought, it doesn't mean to not think about at all. The phrase take no thought means don't worry about. It means not to worry. See, the saying take no thought, he might as well have just said don't worry. See, take no thought means to not engage in a worry that's destructive to the soul and the body, for that matter. But, you know, it's easier to say, well, don't worry about it. Ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You hear that all the time. Don't worry about it. Well, how are you supposed to do that? Exactly how you say, how's Ruth not to worry about her problems? I mean, how are we to, well, not worry about our problems? I mean, first, the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us four common things that we commonly worry about, which are, first, food. I can relate to that. (laughs) Second, drink. Third, clothes. And fourth, future. See, In verse 25, the Lord said, take no thought for what you shall eat. And that doesn't mean to not think about planning for food and preparing for food. I mean, what would happen if after the service, you know, family says to mom, well, what's for lunch? And mom says, I don't know, because the Bible says take no thought (laughs) what we're going to eat. So I don't know about your lunch. So the problem is worrying about food, worrying about no food, worrying about too much food, <laughs> worrying about becoming fat, you know? And here we're, we're, we worry about eating too much food. That's what we worry about in this country. We worry about getting fat. I'm glad to tell you I've overcome that problem. <laughs> I just got fat. I don't worry about it. <laughs> or the problem of over-dieting. See, over-dieting. Well, can't eat that, can't eat that. That's also worry. In Ethiopia, they worry about the dry season and about not having enough food. 
In Ethiopia, they don't worry about getting fat. In the city where in Abudajira, I've never seen a fat person. In the city of Abudajira, where scantibodies the compound is, they've never seen a fat person. Many of them, most of them have never seen a white person, but anyway. And but a fat white person, that's, ooh, that's really something, you know. And when I was there, I mean, when I was there, people would stop and stare at me. <laughs> and Steve Kilgore from our work, he and I shop in the same clothing stores. <laughs> and um, they're called tents and awnings. And Steve told me that he, Steve's over there right now. Or, Today's traveling. He'll be there this week. And he, Steve told me, he says, you know, I've caused three bicycle accidents. <laughs> he says, he says, he says, and all I was doing was standing on the sidewalk. He said, and three times an Ethiopian on a bike was so shocked, it was like this, that he crashed into a parked car in front of him. <laughs> so I, I, said, I told him, I said, Steve, you and I are traffic hazards in Ethiopia. <laughs> Well, the Lord Jesus Christ was in the wilderness, and he had fasted for 40 days, 40 days, 40 nights. He was very hungry. He was to the point of starvation. So the proposal for food was put to him. It's very interesting. He says, simply use your power, the devil said. Just use your power. You've got that power. Stones can be hot bread. What, 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 what if that was us in the wilderness? And we had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil comes to us and says, all you gotta do is just command these stones to be made bread. They'll become bread. What would we do? Yeah. Yeah. What, would we do it? What's wrong with a simple command to, to turn stones into bread? Is it so sinful? I mean, a person starving to death, what's wrong with getting food when a person's starving to death? What did the Lord Jesus Christ do? He said in Matthew 4, 2 through 4, he said, he said these words. He said, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What a statement. You know, I had a friend, Russian-Jewish man, and uh, he said to me one time, he said, you know, in this country, he said, food is overrated. That's an interesting statement. Food is overrated. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying here? I'm starving, but food, you've just overrated food. Because the problem was that the Lord Jesus Christ had been led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and that means that it was the will of God for him to not have food. And he could have been provided with food, but he was not, and now it was the devil who was instructing him on how to get food. The Lord would have rather died than to take instructions from the devil. That was the problem. And so what the Lord was saying to the devil in his reply was, he was quoting from Deuteronomy, and now when we look at that verse in Deuteronomy he's quoting from, we can learn the full message of what he was saying, because in Deuteronomy 8.3, he was saying, and he humbled thee, speaking to the Jewish people, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know 
that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. See, the Lord was not looking at hunger as an, oh, no, this is a tragedy. This hunger has to be stopped at all costs. But by quoting from this last part in the verse in Deuteronomy, the Lord was saying, do you know what it is? Do you know the value of hunger? He humbled thee with it. He humbled the Jewish people with hunger. He suffered them to hunger. He wanted them to be hungry. He was saying, hunger is a humbling experience. It's good to be humbled. And then he said, he fed thee with manna. He would rather be fed by God than he would rather to be not fed or be fed by God than to be fed at all. See, there are always two possibilities when there's a need. See, the one possibility is for a person to not wait for God or not wait on God. God did feed him, but he had to wait on God to be fed. One possibility is for a person to not wait on God, not wait for God, but to take matters into his own hands. And we see this illustrated, this taking matters into his own hand. When we look at the life of Saul, you might turn to this in 1 Samuel 13. In 1 Samuel 13, 7, Saul took matters into his own hands. And we see in this passage why he did it and the consequences, what he did, why he did, what he did, and the consequences. So in 1 Samuel 13, 7, it says, and some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Saul came not, Samuel, excuse me. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed, the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept the, that which the Lord commanded thee. Serious passage. In this passage, Israel's leader saw, saw that he looked, you know, I have to say, saw, he saw the Philistines were ready to destroy Israel. Saul knew that he needed two offerings. These two offerings had to be made to the God of Israel if he and Israel were not gonna be destroyed by the Philistines. And those offerings were the burnt offering and the peace offering. But God had instituted that only, the, only, only Samuel, the prophet, was to make those sacrifices of the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Samuel had told Saul Seven days I'll be there. Seven days I'm gonna meet you in Gilgal 
and you be there, and then we'll make the sacrifices of the burnt and the peace offerings. I'll do it. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.